Hi, uh, this is Haya. You're listening to Bloomsbury Radio. Today, um, you're going to be listening to a very, very cool interview with the Greenwich Trio, um, who is having a concert um, at the Bloomsbury Festival at Conway Hall. Um, I'm joined today by uh, Simon Callan, um, uh, uh, Lana and Yoko from the from the actual trio and uh, they'll be talking as well um, uh, for Heather who is not with us here today um, but if you guys just want to say hi uh, to the listeners hi. Hi. <laughs> thanks for having us <laughs> it's it's my pleasure so um, the Greenwich trio uh, if you do, would you like to introduce yourselves or or, or should I about um, what you guys do no, that's fine. We can introduce ourselves. Yeah. So okay. I'll introduce you. Who is your name? <laughs> yeah, I'm Yoko. I play piano, and I'm Lana Trotoshek, violinist of the trio. And Heather Twa is missing, the cellist. Um, so yeah, we we met actually in 2006 while we were studying at Trinity College together, and uh, we first started off um, with another pianist and another cellist actually mm-hmm. Yoko joined the next year and we had the trio running uh, around Until five two- or six years yeah, yeah 2011 yeah. yeah and then the cellist who then left uh, for um to form this group two cellos which is now a very famous group um <laughs> mostly focused on um crossovers yeah. <laughs> uh, after that we we were we were playing duos and yeah. Yeah, or, or tried to find another cellist yes. and played with a few others, but yes. somehow didn't really didn't yeah, yeah. work and other things came. Um, oh yeah, you became a mother. I became a mother and <laughs> etc. So um, <laughs> um, so we didn't play trio for. For about five years or six more, no more, nine years, years nine ten. Wow! Yeah. So, what's the dynamic like now? How does it feel to be in like this trio, having performances and and you know putting out um, this music um, with mm. which is such a beautiful crossover between the violin, the cello, and the piano? Um, how is that? How does that work? How do you feel about that now? Oh, two thousand eighteen, we met Heather. We met Heather. And we, it was always our dream to restart the trio again. So when we found Heather, we were yeah, like, yeah, we, we need to continue. <laughs> yeah, because trio was always our passion. And uh, well, music is our passion anyway. You know, yes. We can't live without this. So, so I guess this is the motivation for everything that we are doing. And um, basically we find inspiration from the composers, from the pieces we are performing and, you know, because we are, we like to know about composers' lives and what was really going on in 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 their mind, you know, and how they were feeling when they were composing certain pieces of music. Because you know, they were composing these. We're talking about like more than hundred years ago, mm. the pieces that we were playing. Yes. You know, yeah. Uh, so we really need to do um, some digging and digging and research, yeah, research yeah, yes. to know about this and. Um, you also, we also like to have a good practice before we we do a concert and to let 
the pieces mature a little bit so we can think about how to approach it and um yeah and yeah when we come together we talk about interpretations and yes um that's fantastic (laughs) that's that's so great i think because everyone has like a different response when they listen to music um, and classical yeah. music as well. When you have no words, it's just based largely on how you feel um, um, with what from, you know, notes together on a, on a piece of paper being played out, which is, which is so beautiful in itself. But um, I wanted to ask if you, you know, how you chose your respective instruments and, and if you do remember the first time you, you played it or or the first memory you have of the violin and, and the piano mm-hmm. so yeah we, we both actually come from musical families and in my case um the violin was just yeah brought to me i didn't choose my own instrument my mother is a cellist my father a clarinetist and they thought okay she's always doing something on her mother's cello you know i was always plucking her strings and the strings yeah (laughs) better (laughs) buy her something that she can play now and they were selling this little violence um actually mine was mine was um antonio stradivarius but made in china i remember (laughs) so (laughs) the stradivarius wow And um, yeah, so that's how I started. I also um, was spending a lot of time in uh, opera house because my mom played cello in opera house. So whenever she didn't have babysitter, she just um, took me with her and I was like running around and, you know, um, visiting the dressing rooms of the opera singers and um listening to the rehearsals and yeah it was lots of fun I remember so that's so beautiful (laughs) yeah and for me um so I was born in Japan and uh, my mom is a piano teacher and so she had grand piano and you know I it was natural for me to start of course yeah um but of course, I fell in love immediately, and she brought me to lots of concerts. And um, yeah, it was just natural. it's just really natural. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. uh, and then found out I couldn't live without it at some yeah. point. So. That's, that's so nice. It's almost like it's both of you coming from musical families. It's like it's right people, right places. Um, uh, that you're born into like the right family to to, to, to to like harness like your talents actually um, because my parents are not not very musical in terms of they can't play instruments but we do listen to quite a bit of music um, and so when I started playing instruments um, I just there wasn't like a, a parent telling me to do anything it was it was fully my own decision um, so practice was on me which which meant very little practice mm. which is um, easier because we always had a pair of ears you know, listening to yeah. everything oh <laughs> that was oh, terrible yeah. yes yeah. that's why we, we left yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. So your practice routine now, I imagine is very different. You mentioned that you come together and you talk about like your interpretation of a piece before you um, decide how you would um, perform it. Do you ever feel like um, there's some conflict in how you interpret these? Like, what do you do when you have two separate, you know, views on what this piece means to you and, and how do you put your own like personal, I guess, touch onto a onto a very famous piece or a very old piece yeah that's an interesting question no yeah but we always <laughs> disagreements yeah it's like natural right we do yeah, yeah it's like different personalities yeah so but i think the most objective uh like teacher is yeah. is the um, the microphone because always when we record ourselves and we can when then we agree suddenly yeah oh no that's not no go no we can't do it like this you're right you're completely right yeah uh it's funny but um in yeah. the end we agree yeah yes. after yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i think that's a great way it's like it's kind of like reading something over after you write it in the moment so suppose i don't know a paper an essay i'm 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 coming like straight from uni so so bear uh-huh. with me with the analogies um mm. it's like having a paper and having someone edit it you know mm. you think it sounds so good at first because you spent hours writing mm. it and then and mm. then you read it over and you're like mm, mm. maybe maybe i should change this or i don't know you yeah know? so for the event um on the 23rd of october mm-hmm. at conway hall um, how did you come up with the program and, you know, how, how did you decide to partake in the Bloomsbury Festival, if you don't mind me asking? Mm, the, the program was also suggested by, by Simon. Simon. Yes. Mm. Oh. With the artistic director, director. and amazing pianist. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, we immediately liked it because, I mean, it's so cleverly put together um, mm-hmm. because um, all these composers are, in a way, connected. Um, um, Fanny Mendelssohn was a sister of Felix Mendelssohn and then Clara Schumann was new uh, Fanny Mendelssohn, yes. as well as she was a great friend with um, Johannes Brahms. They were really mm-hmm. lifetime friend partners you know so it's all kind of connected really um music in, in between family and friends basically yeah that's um, that's so nice it's so personal um, yeah I, I imagine it's a large you know a lot of people are interested but when you're in the the community of like the classical music in, in London you kind of know one another more um is what I, is what I would you know assume you can you can correct me if I'm wrong obviously yeah um, no it's Oh, it's such a small uh, world, actually, classical music. Yes. No. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knows each other. Kind of know <laughs> yeah. from another part of the, the world, actually. You know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you know this person. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I seen him when I was in yeah. on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> That's so cool. So mm-hmm. for the event, um, Simon, if you if you could jump in here. Um, Sure. It starts at 5.30 with a pre-concert talk with Katie Hamilton, yeah. um, where, and this is just the description on the festival's page, um, where she discusses the personal and professional relationships that brought about the composition of the music in tonight's program and the networks that operated across public and private performance spaces for men and women performing and writing music. Uh, what, what, 
what can you tell us about that a bit more? Well, um, I have to say I'm really honoured because Katie Hamilton is probably uh, kind of at least one of the top three, if not the best person that you could choose to invite to talk about this programme. So I'm really pleased, um, you know, that she's willing to come along to Conway Hall and that she was free on that date. Um, <laughs> she's a, um, a researcher, a writer and a presenter. Uh, she's recently spoken at the uh, Wigmore Hall, the Southbank Centre, the BBC Proms and festivals up and down the UK and, and further afield. Wow. And not only that, but her specific area of specialism is Brahms's music and music of his contemporaries, and specifically 19th century chamber music. So she's kind of, you know, she's uh, the best person uh, to talk about this programme. And as Yoko and um, Lana just said, there are so many connections within this programme. It's a kind of unusual programme. Um, I suppose all the composers are known composers you know we've heard of them yes. all um but it's it's a, an unusual program in that maybe a more normal way of structuring a concert might be you know to have a classical piece followed by a romantic piece and maybe a contemporary piece at some point a kind of really varied wide-ranging program but this program kind of brings a, a narrower focus in a really good way so I thought while I guess the music speaks for itself you know it's all mm. really beautiful music um but with this concert in particular, the context mm. is so important. Um, and certainly our audience, our regular audience at Conway Hall are so um, knowledgeable and kind of, they have such an appetite to know more um, that, yeah, I'm really delighted that um, Katie will talk for about 45 minutes, I guess, to, to kind of bring everyone into the world of composition of these pieces uh, before we hear all the, all the music. I think... I think that's really interesting as well, just to have like context before you listen to a piece, because mm. a lot of times you don't do that. And so we were talking about interpretations earlier, you know, lacking that context or um, any background, you're kind of left to um, come up with conclusions on your own. And I think having that or attending that talk before before the program starts um, will just be so interesting because you know that these composers are, you know, um, interconnected in some way, yeah, um, which is so interesting, I think, um, to see unfold live. Yeah, um, yeah um, I was wondering, um, you know, um, how, how do you just find motivation as a performer, uh, Lana and Yoko? You know, you mentioned tour briefly. Um, what's it like? Um, what do you do to make sure, you know, your instrument is not driving you sane, uh, insane, <laughs> um, and and that you know you enjoy every step of it, if if that's even possible. I, I don't know. Well, I think we kind of learn to enjoy every step step as we go because, yeah. Otherwise, there can be so much stress involved mm. into this as well. But pressure, yeah, pressure. But the thing is, when you relax a bit and you really just realize that you can't live without music, how more beautiful life is with music, because that's the only thing we know, basically. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, then you just start enjoying it. Yeah, and how happy you are when you have things lined up, you know, yeah. because in COVID uh, time, we, 
it just made us rethink everything, right? Yes. And sure. it made us yeah. so happy when we finally got some concerts in, you know. And before that, we were stressed. Oh, we have so much. We'll be, <laughs> are we going to be able to prepare <laughs> this? And then suddenly nothing, you know. And yeah. then now we are just so grateful to have this. And I think yeah. um, we all are thinking it'll be different because mm. of this situation. I don't know. But Conway Hall still... Um, gave us the yes. dream concert during the COVID, which was one of the rare, yeah, rare, rare uh, venues that had this possibility actually, yes. to have live stream concerts. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we're very thankful. Yeah, that was great actually to have this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I imagine it's, it's quite the adjustment really, you know, going back to live performances um, at at, at larger capacity so instead of having you know small in-person events and largely live streaming things I think I think music is whenever it's performed live it's just incredibly different to when you hear a recording of it mm-hmm. um and so I quite enjoy going to concerts for that reason um and listening to music on different um uh on like cds streaming lps that mm-hmm. kind of stuff just to see yeah. how it differs um and so I imagine for 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 classical music, that's just even, you know, it's amplified because you get to hear everything. You know, you hear the details when you when someone plucks the plucks strings too hard, um, when yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you know you, you strike down mistakes. on a piano, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the mistakes need to be there. I mean, yeah, and and that's one of the reasons that that sometimes we are stressed about the concert because oh. <laughs> I don't like mistakes. No, but the thing is, this this is a part of live performance. Yeah. Yes, it yes. should be there. This is the part of excitement. And yeah. um, if you seek for this harmony, then you get, then you are happy. It makes yeah. you happy because we are seek for harmony. Mm-hmm. We are unfulfilled because mm-hmm. it's the the perfection doesn't exist. No. Mm. Yeah. yeah I think imperfection yeah. in music is it's just so nice and also yeah. a lot of times people and people who don't know um or who haven't you know heard the piece before they can't really tell that you've made a no. mistake um yeah. at all no. really. um but it's nice because you know you you find different arrangements that work maybe if someone makes a mistake and you're like oh maybe that sounds good or you know it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's putting the artist kind of yourselves in that piece um which is very nice um i wanted to know if you got if you two had like a a preferred i guess era of classical music that you enjoy performing or listening to um or a favorite composer let's say (laughs) (laughs) the moment is Brahms because we're so into Brahms yeah we're recording cds for yeah. three set of brown cities yeah wow. that will go so, out on lean records in next year right yeah mm-hmm. next year yeah. next year yeah. they're coming out mm-hmm. so it's always like this right whenever you're really um working on working it becomes on. your favorite for yes sure. <laughs> yes yeah. because yeah because you can find out so much about him, life, and his, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. become, like, fanatic about <laughs> a certain composer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you do get quite close to the piece, so it's hard not to like something you know so much yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, do you have, like, a preferred piece that you enjoy playing? You know, maybe, like, a composition that's 
enjoyable for you to play uh, maybe on the piano if it's a if it's a like a succession of notes that you quite like um yeah. what what do you do you have that of course we, we yeah. must have it <laughs> <laughs> too many uh, for, for me it's like many pieces of uh Bach Beethoven and Brahms that's for mm. me it's tri- triple B rule <laughs> and, uh, of course Mo- Mozart is just magical maybe more to listen than to play I think Mozart Mozart yeah yeah um, perhaps yeah yeah <laughs> more listening than playing but a lot of pieces are like this you feel like you're suffering when you're playing and then you listen back and you're like wow that's nice mm. uh, yeah well Beethoven yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Beethoven for sure. It's like this. Yeah, adore. Mm-hmm. I sometimes miss. Sh- yeah, I know. Schubert. Schubert, Schubert. Yeah, yeah Schubert, Chopin. I mean, yeah. Schubert. I I had a... We should do Schubert so. <laughs> <laughs> Next concert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you mentioned earlier as well, Lana, about um, you know, your first violin, and picking an instrument can be extremely personal. I imagine. Mm. So, so how, what was it like now? You know, um, how how did you, I guess, meet or choose your current instrument, like the current violin that you play or the current piano that you play? Is it is it something personal to you? I imagine for piano, it might be slightly harder because you can't really transport it as easily as a violin. You're kind of you're, you're left to adapt more to um, to different piano fields uh, to feels. Um, but what do you guys think? Well, I, I was really lucky to get the instrument I, I have now because, well, I I was choosing for a long time and I was uh, visiting various auction houses, you know, and, and then I fell in love with this Della Costa, Pietro Antonio Della Costa, which is from 1750s. And um, the funny thing is, I mean, the interesting thing is that uh, Mozart also owned um violin from the same violin maker so um this is kind of magical a little bit for yeah. me because i always imagined that maybe you know he came to pietro's workshop and trying different violins he maybe picked mine you know a little maybe he had a little go at it mm-hmm. uh didn't like it very much <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> he was just yeah. leaving it for you you're just leaving yeah. it for you yeah. to, to come pick it up hundreds of years later so it has um, a lot of history this instrument ah, yeah. and what about okay my uh, so i have a yamaha c6 mm-hmm. um uh yeah i of course i always wanted grand piano and um i went to the shop and you know trying out and I found this one, like it's Yamaha, which, you know, it's not Soundway, but something so special. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and the more and more I play, like, it's like my child, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and just even, I, I don't know if I have another opportunity to buy something, I, I need to keep this one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it becomes your best Sentimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it would be hard to part with like a an instrument you're mm-hmm. you've played for so long and you've chosen yourself. You know, when you're mm-hmm. you're finally able to 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 get one for your for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. 
so extremely personal things, you know, the relationship between a musician and, and, and their music and their instrument, yes. yeah. uh, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the event for um, listeners, if you weren't here earlier, it's the Greenwich Trio um, on the 23rd of October um, at Conway Hall, which is um, in Red Lion Square, 25 Red Lion Square in Bloomsbury. Um, The event is from 5.30 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. Doors open at 5. The pre-concert talk with Katie Hamilton is at 5.30 and the lovely trio will come on at 6.30. It says here on the festival site that tickets are £12, £10 for Conway Hall members and under 26s are going for free. Um, so I I personally think everyone should go if they're listening to this because this just sounds like a great event. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, go. <laughs> it just sounds fantastic. And, and, and now that we're able to go listen to music live again i think exploiting that opportunity is just so important um but i want to thank i want to thank you all for joining me today um we've been chatting a pleasure thank you for for quite a bit (laughs) which is fantastic i think um talking about music is such a it's such a nice thing because everyone has like their own experience with it you know even if you don't if you can't make it you can appreciate it um which i think um is very true for a lot of things um in the arts um but again thank you so much to the three of you um i look forward to your event um i will try and make it as well uh which should be fantastic um but best of luck to all of you and to heather as well um who couldn't make it i think that's great do you guys have Mm -hmm. any final comments you'd want to make Oh, I think that's no, great. great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, um, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, do make it to the Bloomsbury Festival event and go on to bloomsburyfestival.org.uk for more event info on the Greenwich Trio event and all other events running um, throughout the Bloomsbury Festival. Uh, thank you.